Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey guys, it's Kayla. Candace isn't able to join us today, but we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. We are still working on that day to day. And we have a phenomenal episode for you today. We are going to sit down with Terrence Lester of Love Beyond Walls. Love Beyond Walls is an organization that focuses on telling the stories of and working with those wrestling with poverty and homelessness. As an organization, they believe that tangible love overcomes these barriers. When starting this organization, Terrence made a very brave decision. He decided to live like the people his organization serves. And with the permission of his family, he lived on the streets to understand the sufferings of those faced with homelessness and poverty. He was put out of shelters, slept under bridges begged for money, and since starting Love Beyond Walls has mobilized thousands of people to serve those that are vulnerable and forgotten. 
Their vision is to create a world where no one is invisible. Terrence Lester is a speaker. He's an activist, an author, a father, a husband, and a leader in the realm of systemic poverty. We're going to sit down with him today to discuss the homelessness crisis, his organization Love Beyond Walls, and how we can each help each other through this. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Terrence Lester of Love Beyond Walls. And we are here with Terrence Lester. Terrence, what an honor to sit down with you today. Really appreciate you joining me. Kayla, I'm excited to be with you and to have this discussion. So let's jump on in. Um, NPR said that in a single night in January 2020, there were more than 580,000 individuals who were homeless in the United States. We know this coronavirus pandemic has been extremely difficult for all of us. Um, and it has made the homelessness crisis even worse. Um, before we get into all of that with you, I would love to start at the beginning for our listeners and take them back to 2004 when you and your wife, Cecilia, started the concept of Love Beyond Walls. Can you take us through that specific experience you had that day? Yeah, I mean, 2004, I guess me and my wife were both college students, uh, struggling college students at that. And we were one day sitting around uh, this apartment that we were staying in and we were kind of complaining almost. Uh, We were talking about all of the things that we were lacking and the things that we were hoping to uh, have in our lives. And then we, we both had this like serendipitous moment of looking at each other and just kind of like asking each other, why are we complaining? You know, we have more at our disposal than, you know, majority of the people in the entire world because the average person uh, globally lives on less than $2 a day uh, when we think about the context of poverty globally. And so she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, let's, let's just gather up all of our excess uh, and and try to find individuals uh, that could use some of the, the ex- excess that we had in terms of like clothing items and shoes and stuff like that. And when I use the term excess, I'm always talking about the things that you have stockpiled around that you no longer pay attention to. They're just kind of in your presence or set aside somewhere that you don't really Uh, value as much anymore. And so we did that and we hopped in a car, gas hearing, uh, the gas hand was nearing E Mm. and we were driving down town uh, to find uh, anybody, anybody that we could be proximate to. I'll never forget, we arrived on Auburn Ave in the heart of the city of Atlanta. Um, I pulled over on the sidewalk and put the uh, hazard lights on and I saw this lady walking down the street and she was barefoot. And me and my wife were just like shocked. We were like, oh my God, this lady has no shoes on. And so I, I hopped out the car, I ran uh, as close as I could. And I kind of said the words, hey, um, do you know anybody that could use some clothes or shoes or something? Which was kind of like a stupid question because she was barefoot. <laughs> and she runs up to my wife and I and she says, yeah. I could use something. She says, I was, I was, I was praying for some shoes last night. Um, we lift up the trunk or pop the trunk 
uh, we ruffle around in these two garbage bags that we had uh, filled with all of these items. And my wife pulls out of, out of the garbage bags um, these, these old Reeboks where they were old to her, right? And she says, uh, you know, what size shoe do you wear? And she says, like, I'm, did you wear a seven and a half? And she's like, that's my size. And the, the lady just gets really excited. And um, I'll never forget the chills that we both kind of embody as we drove home. And we started to think about, well, how could we do this more? How could we, you know, show up and just be present, even if it wasn't like handing out things, but just, you know, offering friendship and uh, presence to a community of people that are invisible. And we started doing that in our early 20s um, for years and years and years uh, before social media, you know, kind of raising items and gathering people through text messages and the whole nine until we finally decided to formally start an organization called Love Beyond Walls. I think for a lot of people, that would be the end of their story. And they would have felt like, you know, that was the experience. But for you, you took it even further. In 2013, you made the decision to live like the people that your organization serves. With the permission of your family, you lived on the streets and understand to understand the suffering of those faced with poverty and homelessness. I mean, in your experience, you were put out of shelters, slept under bridges, begged for money. And I, I have a two-part question for you. What goes into the conversation with your family to decide to do this and to ask them for their support, your wife and kids? And also, obviously, we want to know what that experience was like. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I'll never forget arriving at the house uh, the day that I asked my wife if I could go through the experience of homelessness. I had been downtown all day, uh, just kind of checking on the relationships that I established with many community members. And one in particular, his name was Kurt. Uh, he stayed behind uh, this building uh, in just piles and piles of trash. Now, I'll never forget having a conversation where Kurt, for the first time, told me about how he ended up on the streets. Uh, he was in a car accident, lost his wife and child, um, became severely depressed uh, with the grief, could no longer function on, um, on his job, and ended up losing everything. And he said he chased hope, his words, uh, in the bottom of a bottle. He's just emotionally open and vulnerable with me. And it was almost like in the conversation, uh, he could see me, but I'm also seeing him. Um, and that moment became real. And, you know, I tried to fix it. We, we all try to fix things right away when we see people suffering. And I, I said something like, hey, man, I have some relationships. I could possibly get you, you know, off of the streets and into a shelter. And when I said the word shelter, it triggered him. He goes into this like long rebuttal about how the shelter down the street uh, wasn't sanitized. Um, there would be at times people sleeping in chairs, hundreds of men uh, with only one urinal. Uh, he talked about the stench and the smell being so thick 
you could taste it. And then he talked about he talked about the lack of sleep that he would get because he would be up all night, literally trying to protect everything he owned and possessed in in his bag. And he says, man, you know, some of the shelter workers there treat you as if you are trash. And he pointed to the trash behind the building. And then he turns to me and he says, why don't you do it? You know, why don't you live in the shelter? Um, I bet you if you did, you would end up behind this building with me because it's more comfortable out here. And so I'm sitting at the kitchen table with all of those raw emotions because the conversation was probably less than two hours old. And I'm about to eat dinner with my family. And my wife asked me, hey, what's wrong with you? And I told her, uh, I said, you know, I was talking to Kurt. He shared this. And I, I think I'm supposed to do something that is more bold than what we've been doing. And she asked me what. And I said, I think I'm supposed to take off my shoes of comfort and put on the shoes of those that we have been walking with uh, to go through those experiences. I think I'm supposed to be homeless on the street. And she says, what? And I say, yeah. Um, I would like to do this type of campaign, not only to raise awareness about it, but to educate people about the everyday realities of what people suffer through uh, second by second. And long story short, she asked me how long we agreed. It was around Christmas time. So I started blogging about this on the website, Love Beyond Walls, and sharing about it on social media. And then, I mean, it's like days before Christmas, like the holiday. Everybody's out shopping, drinking eggnog, gathering with friends, etc. And here it is. I'm about to give up all of these amenities to go and live with a population of people who are overlooked every single day. And people were calling me crazy, saying, I don't know how you would do this. Why waste your time on these, you know, you fill in the blank, all sorts of expletives. And then like... There were there was also a group of people who were really paying attention because you know how sometimes you don't really pay attention to something until someone close to you is affected or you are affected yourself. And so I felt like in many ways I was laying uh, down a lot of the things that I know I had access to. So people who had these biases towards this group of people could really see uh, with a fresh perspective. And so, yeah, um, I remember my wife and kids dropping me off. My kids were really young underneath the bridge and people kept asking me, why would you do this around Christmas time? And they didn't really understand that my wife and I were trying to teach our kids about gift giving in the form of personhood. Like it's better to be a gift than to receive one. It's better to show up uh, for the human dignity and the human rights of others than to only want uh, people to acknowledge you, right? And I think that is a, a lesson that my kids have learned um, and are still learning because they're they're still kind of young. So how long did did this last for? How long did you join them? Yeah, so I, I did it on two separate occasions. The first time was for a week and the second time was for over a month. So in, in, in total, I lived on the streets for over a month. Were there ever moments that you just decided, you thought, I'm just going to go back home. I'm going to call it. I've already learned a lot. <laughs> I just want to see my kids and family. I mean, there've got to have been moments where you just felt, you know, 
did you ever feel like you were breaking? Yeah, I think the experience of homelessness itself is breaking. I remember one night specifically, I hadn't slept in uh, 24 hours and it was in the middle of winter. So, I mean, the temperatures were below 20 degrees, sometimes below 10 degrees. And you would literally have to uh, walk around. I was walking in the company of, of my friends and we would walk for miles and miles and miles just to keep our body moving and the blood flowing um, to stay warm. I'll never forget, we uh, ended up at this, this like convenience store. It was a gas station and I walked into the, the restroom I'll never forget uh, looking at myself in the mirror and realizing how much in just a few days I had changed in appearance. Like, you know, I went out with fresh clothes and they were starting to look worn. Um, I hadn't showered or had access to any type of sanitation. Uh, there were uh, obvious you know, dirt stains on my shirt from sleeping outside and um, just my appearance started to change. And I, I realized like of not only the physical change that you go through uh, when you're experiencing homelessness, but the, the emotional changes as well, like the grit and the sheer uh, survival mode that you're constantly in, you know, wrestling with, you know, I got to walk two miles just to charge my cell phone or mm. I need to figure out how I will use the restroom. Or if you walk into a public space, uh, even if someone is paying for your meal, you have entire families that would get up and move to the other side of the restaurant or, you know, people who um, would walk in and ask to use the restroom and for a cup of water would have access to this. But then if someone notices that you are living on the streets, they ask you to leave as if you are a problem or like, you know, having people who work in organizations talk down to you. I'll never forget. It was a night I had gone to this. It's like a drop-in shelter. You couldn't stay there. So they had the lobby open. Um, and, you know, sometimes the lines would be like wrapped around the corner because people were trying to get into the restroom to, to do the best they can to wash themselves up out of the sink. And uh, I was sitting near this power plug because I was charging my phone and it was close time for everybody to kind of like um, disband and like leave the, the, the part where they had everybody. And it was, I was looking at the, the time it was almost, you know, 10 o'clock the the weather said it was dropping like near the you know single digits and people were complaining hey could you just let us stay and then I, I think I said something I was like my cell phone isn't like fully charged I was talking to mm -hmm. a worker and he he turns toward me and he says don't get mad at me because you chose this life <gasps> I mean for God's, God's sake like he he didn't even know that I wasn't like actually experiencing homelessness. I was just going through these routines and I never forget like blogging about it and talking about it and, you know, waking people up to the reality that, that it's very possible in your fear of someone without an address to contribute to their invisibility. Mm. 
That's so, such powerful words. This experience of social isolation that you are talking about. I mean, there's an element of our laws that frame that to be poor or experience homelessness means you're you've done something wrong or that you should be feared or kept at a distance that you're a criminal. I mean, we could go on forever. And that experience of social isolation that you felt, I mean, every individual is feeling that that's going through this. So people treated you differently. Did you ever see anyone, anyone that you knew walk past you on the street? No, never saw anybody that I actually knew, but um, because people were following uh, the story digitally, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of people who started to show up and spend time underneath uh, the bridges and in the alleyways and wherever I was. Um, Because it was this, it was almost like people in my community started to embrace the community that embraced me. And they forgot that, right? Like I was an outsider, which is another huge lesson I learned when I was, you know, out there, here it is, you know, I took absolutely nothing and people kind of banded together and got me a tent Mm. and got me blankets. And, uh, one night it was raining and my, you know, socks and shoes got soaking wet and my, my feet felt like popsicles and my friend Tony went into his tent, gave me his last pair of donated socks. You know, whenever people would bring food out, um, you know, there would be, there would be this like generous, uh, moment of sharing. Um, and here it is. There were people who from the world's perspective or society's perspective has absolutely nothing, but they were the most mm, generous mm-hmm. and the most welcoming. And I reflected on how, you know, I knew personally people who had access to all types of things that are still selfish and, you know, kind of to themselves. And so I wrote about that as well, because I I think it's, you know, it's really important for us to reframe. uh, George Lakoff talks about reframing being a part of social change, right? We have to question who controls those narratives. You know, who said that uh, poor people were lazy, uh, poor people didn't have any character or morals, uh, poor people are to be feared, et cetera, right? Uh, this, these types of social constructions frame the way that persons are viewed or seen, right? And if there has been dominant narratives that have, have, have framed how um, people's social conditions um, uh, speaks to their, their existence, then there needs to be a reframing of how do we actually tear down those, you know, destructive narratives and pass the microphone to people who are actually going through this. And so I I talk about a lot about, uh, I had this epiphany that I'm not trying to be a voice to the voiceless or voice for the voiceless. I'm trying to use my voice to pass the microphone to people whose voices have been silenced there's a, a a huge distinction and it's a huge difference. Everyone has a voice. Um, some people's voices are heard while others are silenced. And so, yeah, I had a lot of those epiphanies and, um, you know, I, I call it narrative justice. You know, how do we take back or reclaim the narratives 
uh, of those persons who actually suffer and have the courage to suffer uh, with impoverishment in this country. Narrative justice. I love that. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend. Plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. 
So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. we're back. Well, I mean, our interview is far from over, but I feel like I just want to thank you <laughs> for everything because you are truly um, not only changing those individuals' lives, but you are a beacon for a lot of people. And it's um, really encouraging. And you, you know, you talked about your, you and your wife getting chills. And as we're having this conversation, I genuinely am getting chills because I feel like you are making a huge change and one that we really need. Um, I want to transition into how this pandemic has been extremely difficult for all of us. And, you know, there's been this endless flood of media and, and changing of regulations, but the most basic recommendation that came from every outlet out there was wash your hands. And for most of us, that's a simple, simple idea. But Lester, you realized that the homeless population couldn't do something as simple as that. They couldn't just wash their hands. And you were thinking, how how are they going to survive? And you kept thinking they just can't go. They can't go anywhere and wash their hands. So you decided to start there and start there. You did a, a branch of Love Beyond Walls. Your organization is sharing health through portable hand washing. Before you could finish assembling the first sink, you said that the proof of its need walked right up to you. Yeah, um, that's a great segue. You know, most people look at crisis as something to run from. I think we have learned that crisis actually creates an opportunity to discover new ideas or to repurpose already existing ideas. And, you know, there's a phrase in our lobby in our center that literally says you can never meet the needs of people that you've never met. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there are people who, you know, run towards community with their already existing ideas of how they want to implement, you know, a a community garden, Mm -hmm. you know, and have never talked to the people who live in the food desert, right. Or, you know, people who have all these creative ideas, but they've never been proximate to those persons. And I think it's something to be learned that uh, we as an organization uh, or we as a society need to uh, not talk about the people who are at the table who are facing disparities without them, mm-hmm. right? That there's something to be learned about listening 
in to the cries and the sufferings and the heartaches, uh, but also the dreams and the hopes of people that we're, you know, aiming to walk with. And that's what happened with Dimitri. He walked into our center and, you know, this was around the time when we were just learning that, you know, this virus was serious, that it was claiming the lives of people, that it was possible for all of these businesses to be shut down. Like the world would literally be shut down. And it was slowly beginning to be labeled as a pandemic, a global pandemic. And, um, Dimitri walks in, uh, one of our community members without an address. And he says, before he asks us for anything, or he was just in tears. And he says, I, I, I think I'm going to like pass away. And we were looking around. We were like, what, what do you mean? What's going on? And he says, well, I don't have anywhere to wash my hands. Libraries are closed down. And just a side note, like people experiencing homelessness have always deal with social distancing, right? right? <laughs> uh, you know, through laws and ordinances and all of those things. So this was nothing new. Like people have always stayed socially distant from the experience of mm-hmm. homelessness. And he says, restaurants really won't allow me to come in now. He goes on and on and on. And uh, I got with, you know, a few of my teammates and we were just sitting around thinking and I had driven home and I was sitting on the uh, couch and they kept replaying it over and over. Wash your hands, wash your hands. And I say, I just yelled out loud. I said, that's it. And my wife was in the kitchen. She says, what? And I say, I think I need to start putting sinks in the streets. (laughs) She's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Dimitri says that, you know, you can't, have access to to the, these things that the CDC CDC is saying we we need to to you know wash our hands to protect ourselves and you know I, I'm of the opinion that if you make a statement like wash your hands but you don't equip the people who are disadvantaged with the tools to be able to perform the behaviors then you're doing uh, that group of people or those persons a disservice yeah. and so I I said. I'm going to look up how to put sinks in the streets. I was on home Depot.com <laughs> Lowe's.com. I mean, all of the dot coms trying to figure it out. And then I remember this is as grassroots as it gets. It. You're just on home Depot.com, yeah. like trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Trying to figure it out. And then I remembered our, um, our organization used to use RV units to temporarily house mm-hmm. people. And we used to, use all of these portable options like portable, portable, um, toilets, uh, portable cooking stations, uh, portable hand washing stations. And I said, that's it. And so I reached out to an RV parts store and I started talking to them about this and then uh, discovered that I could assemble hand washing stations. And so I did, and we launched with, you know, 15 units and then the story just spread and took off. And uh, all of these companies started getting involved, like Brunny Paper Towels, Southwest Airlines, Porsche, um, the NFL Foundation. I mean, uh, Coca-Cola, V. I mean, just so many companies got involved and they helped us to scale. And so we went from just 15 around the city of Atlanta. And now we have sinks in 67 cities wow. and uh, two countries around the uh, United States. 
And so, yeah. How um, can we help you expand? You know, I just, how can we help you expand? Because that's something I'm, I know I'm thinking, and I'm sure our listeners are like, wait, how, how do we help this continue? Because obviously this is very important. And also, are you in LA yet? How can we get you guys here in LA? Yeah, we, we are in certain parts of California. Okay. We, we haven't necessarily made it to LA. We would love to be there, but it takes, you know, connecting with the right organizational partner or a group of people who are constantly in a consistent way showing mm-hmm. up for our ho- houseless neighbors. Um, this can't be someone who is just like wanting to do this as a fad, right. but it fades away. It has to be someone who is actively engaged. And so if you have any uh, organizations that you know of that could benefit from these resources, we would love to partner in uh, resource those organizations. Great. But if you want to just support, you know, our cause, uh, you definitely can give, um, you know, a hundred dollars per unit. Um, we're able to continue to, you know, place units all around the, the United That's States. That's the cost of each unit, uh, correct? Just, $100. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We just forged a uh, partnership with the University of Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh is our new city. Uh, we just left there. We're headed back in September. And we're placing uh, all of these sanitation stations around that city as well. And you guys, for our listeners, Love Beyond Walls picks the sinks up daily, cleans them, and refills each unit with soap and water. So the daily, they're restocked for our community neighbors. And um, you and your wife have talked about how the idea of more. Talk to us about your portable showers. Yeah, so... um, this actually came from a community member. One day I was talking to Virgil and uh, he was talking about how he collects rainwater whenever it rains, sits it out in the sun and uses the warm water um, to uh, sanitize himself, to clean himself. And I started to think about unique ways I could build like these self-contained showers. And so the idea was to take these 250 gallon tanks, two of them, you know, turn them upside down and put them on top of each other, uh, build a door. Um, it already is kind of like, um, prep for drainage, uh, because it carries substances or liquids. And yeah, we, uh, did a tankless water heater, found out a way to utilize a, um, a water pump and we can, we could literally set this up anywhere and it, it's a self-contained shower. Um, and so we started building those and we're probably five in right now. Uh, we're actually going to build five more before the year's up. But even Porsche got involved with that and uh, a, a few, you know, local um, faith-based communities, uh, you know, given volunteers and such. And so, yeah, we, we started that and it's been really cool. I want to ask you, Lester, because I'm realizing as we're doing this interview that you... Um have never referred to any of your friends as um, homeless. You've always talked to the, about them in a way of saying there are community members without an address. And I'm wondering, is that a, a word that they don't want used or that I shouldn't be using? Is that something that we're trying to change? Yeah, I would hope that we um, recognize how our language affects other people. I, I like to use the um, uh, person first model where I focus on the person and not the condition, um, which helps me to realize that this person is going through an experience 
or a moment, they are not defined by that moment. I mean, I normally ask people to reflect on, think about the worst time of your life. Uh, would you want to be labeled labeled right. as such? You know, and so um, the other part of that is just because a person doesn't have an address doesn't mean that they're not your neighbor. Um, I like ML King's framing on this um, when he uses the language world house, hmm. um, you know, beloved community, global village. All of that speaks to the world being our address. Right. Um, and I take it a step further. I say that uh, home is much more than four walls and a roof. It's, you know, a place where you feel accepted, like you belong yeah. and uh, like your existence is affirmed. So like you can find home in the company or the community of others and you never even have a roof or four walls around yeah. you. Right. Because home is much more about that. And if we had more people affirming people in that way, think about how many more physical homes that we would have uh, for people mm. without an address. Beautifully said. Thank you. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. we're back. You know, you had a really interesting and wonderful opportunity when you were 20 to reboot your life. And I feel like while reading everything that you've accomplished already, it felt like that was such a defining pivotal moment um, that shaped your path. Would you mind sharing with our listeners uh, that experience and how you felt like giving having a judge give you that chance to reboot your life changed the course of where it was going? You know, I think... Um... Pain is something that if harnessed or leveraged has the potential to 
uh, be translated into purpose. It's almost like transmutation, right? Um, when you think about grapes becoming wine, right? Or oranges becoming orange juice, uh, they exist in one form, but when they are crushed, it produces mm-hmm. something else that other people can have access to. And so I think all of us have, you know, experienced pain because we're part of this, this human family and uh, the human family uh, experiences suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself in that moment, right? Uh, lost, confused, uh, directionless, right? Not having any, any uh, clear clear direction or path that I was, you know, supposed to choose. Uh, all the statistics were stacked against me. Uh, grew up without a present father. Uh, I experienced homelessness uh, briefly as a teenager, sleeping in parks on benches and from friend's house to friend's house. Um, I dropped out of school for a moment. Like all of the, the odds that you know, uh, statistically speaking, suggests that you're not going to make it. And I'll never forget um, finding myself in some trouble and sitting in the courtroom, uh, 20 years old, uh, in front of a judge that literally gave me a second chance. Um, He says, I don't know why I'm doing this. He looked at my mom and says, I I better not ever see you uh, here again. And uh, he let me walk away. And I think in that moment, what it did for me was force me to reflect on all of the things that I had gone through early on in life. And then uh, really ask myself some hard questions to reflect on where I wanted to be as I continue to, to move forward with my life. And I know, you know, I didn't want to re- peak some of the the same painful things that I even caused myself. Like one of my friends says, uh, we're on, we're the only creatures on the face of the planet that can use our minds against ourselves. That's <laughs> deep. deep. That's so true. That's, that's deep. Um, and so a part of me was like, you know, the best of my ability, I don't want to use any of my mind to cause any more damage to my, to me. Um, which, you know, followed up with a lot of conversations with people who are almost like signposts helping me to, uh, clarify the direction in my life. And in no way I'm saying that, um, you know, these people were like, you know, placed there, but I I think, I think like it's up to us to kind of tune into like the signs that, you know, uh, we, we, we get in our lives, you know, the things that we read, the, the questions that we ask, you know, the content that we consume. I often say that diet is much more than just food, right? It's what you watch is what you hear is, is who you're around. It's your environments. It's all of these different things. And so I really try to shift my diet, right? The things that, I was consuming mm-hmm. uh, to put myself in places where I could hear clearly. And that's when I started to hear. 
No, I, do, I believe. I believe those answers are put in front of us. And it's true. If you ask the question, it will be given to you. Yes. And it's just what yes. you do with that and how you perceive that. And if you're open to it. So you just were yeah. open now. Well, I believe it too, but you know, everybody it's doesn't true. believe that. It's true. So. And that's okay. That's okay. It's true. I mean, you believe what you yeah. believe and that's yeah. okay. Um, well, here you are giving back in everything you do now. I mean, you're a force. Love Beyond Walls is of all its different branches. You guys are a force. Have you ever gone back to that judge? Have you seen that judge? And, and let him or her know how it never. turned out? No, never. Um, I have gone back, you know, in my younger years and given like speeches at the high school that I was put out mm-hmm. of. Uh, I've given talks that have inspired, you know, the children of the, the police officers that arrested me when I was wow. a, a teenager. Um, you know, I won a motivational speaker award in the youth detention center I was in for a while. Like, yeah, a total 180. And so it was just like, I think all of those experiences gave me the the affirmation and the confidence to continue to move forward. And here's the thing too, uh, Kayla, that many people fear. They, may, they fear leaving people on the shore um, because it's comfortable on the shore in the crowd. You know, when you look out and you start to, I'm talking metaphorically, uh, you start to like look at the waves and, you know, all the potential dangers of veering off or like pushing away from, you know, your comfort zone. You know, people kind of would rather choose being average and mediocre and pursuing what is, you know, bubbling up on the inside of them or calling them from the inside, like pursuing your purpose. And I just got to this place where I was more tired with the comfort and the crowd and the being just like everybody else or to living up to the expectations of what people uh, use to define my existence and started to really lean into my, these inner groanings and these longings and uh, the, the curiosity, right? Uh, Curiosity can be something really powerful that, uh, brings along or about the type of clarity and this kind of how I found myself, uh, even being on this podcast with you, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm still, I'm still following the curiosity. I'm so I'm happy saying. you are. I know we all are so happy. I, I really want you to talk about your dignity museum because this is such a lovely, another, it's just another element of love beyond walls. And I think, it wouldn't be complete unless we discussed your traveling museum. Can you tell our listeners about it? Yeah. Um, Dignity Museum was born out of this idea of wanting to pass the microphones uh, or microphone to, to persons who were experiencing homelessness or have overcome homelessness in the form of uh, you know, immersive museum. And so uh, Dignity Museum is the first museum in the United States that uh, we launched that represented the, the subject of homelessness. You, got, you have museums for everything, you know, pots and plants and 
you know, toys and artifacts and records. And I mean, you know, there's, there's even a trap museum here. Right. Uh, and, you know, I started to think about how could we collect these stories in the form of oral history where people can immerse themselves into the, the various ways that people end up in the experience of homelessness. And so we incorporated um, a mobile app and uh, phones and like you get to listen to stories, you get to like wrestle with the myths and facts. Um, we have virtual reality and it's all housed in the shipping container. And the reason why I chose a shipping container, one is because we didn't have like a super big budget where we can just go out and buy a fancy building, turn it into a museum. But there's a lot of symbolism in a shipping container. Um, every shipping container has a story of origin. Every shipping container uh, moves around from place to place. And every shipping container carries things of substance and value. And it's just like the experience of homelessness. Every person has an origin story. Every person uh, kind of moves around from place to place, but it doesn't mean that that person does not have value on the inside. And you actually have to go inside to see the beautiful parts, right? And it's a, a powerful message, um, not just with homelessness, but you know, for us to really deconstruct our biases or, um, or, or the way that we view people through how we have been uh, socially uh, fashioned to view other people, you know, to otherwise people, we we've got to pause for a moment and and dare to to figure out or find out who people are on the inside, like to to affirm their inherent uh, worth and value. Gosh, we love you guys. That's amazing. I'm truly, and I I will have <laughs> <Thank> this. <you. laughs> we'll have this in our show notes. But I really want to say on the mic, um, if you are an organization or a school, and you're interested in bringing this museum to your space, um, you can contact them by going to lovebeyondwalls.org. Um, it's really simple. It's a really wonderful website, and um, you know this is something that we can continue to promote and kind of make sure people have access to because. It, you're right. It, you're absolutely right. And you are person by person changing perspective, changing outlook, changing human kindness and decency and dignity. And I mean this wholeheartedly, Terrence, we need more people like you. Thank you for everything that oh, you've wow, done you. and are doing. And um, gosh, thank you to, to just you and your wife and your family for um, everything that you do and everyone at Love Beyond Walls. Um, you guys are profound, truly. I'm not just saying this. I'm kind of speechless right now in this moment. So thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you. It's, it's uh, you know, wonderful meeting you. And um, I can't wait to, you know, share share this podcast. And you now hopefully when we are out in L.A., we're all meet and, uh, you know, kind of celebrate. I would celebrate. love that. I truly and I really mean that. And um we could use you here in LA. I know you guys are in multiple countries, multiple cities. Pittsburgh needs you. Everywhere needs you. So there's only so much you can do at a, at a time. And um, we get that. But thank you for everything you've done. And, um, you know, we have a lot of young listeners on this podcast who are still forming and shaping who they are as individuals. Um, is there any last piece of advice that you would like to offer them? You know, I would definitely say chase the curiosity. Uh, never be afraid to stand in solidarity with people who are oppressed and have suffered. And, um, 
you know, to use your voice, even if it shakes. Love it. Well, you are doing that and so much more, Terrence. Thank you truly for taking the time to sit down with us. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged as much as we did. Uh, We have another great episode coming up for you next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast.